Hi, I'm Amber, also known as the Lone Star Keto Girl, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today I have a very special guest, one that has touched my heart and inspired me uh, like no other to this date, and I asked her to uh, please come on my podcast. I had the opportunity to get to uh, know her and uh, interview her for the MeetRx.com podcast for success stories. And seriously, y'all, she touched my heart. She's the only one that has brought me to tears because I could relate so much. And obviously I have some uh, unresolved issues that still really hurt down deep and she touched me there. And so I want her to share that with y'all. So those who feel hopeless and helpless can see that there is hope. So welcome Trudy. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh, and before we get started, don't forget to hit the little subscribe button below and the notification because you don't want to miss this one, definitely, and the future ones. We have a lot of great guests coming up, so please do that. And also follow Trudy, and I'll have all her information below. Believe me, after this interview, you're going to love her. So, okay, let's get started. Okay. I don't really want you to tell your whole story about how you came to where you are because you did such a fantastic job on the interview through MeetRx. So I want to focus on some more personal stuff because I think people need to hear this and and I, I want them to really understand where you're coming from. So instead of telling your whole entire uh, journey, can you be very specific of some of some of the health issues that you've gone through? Because you've had some pretty major stuff happen. Definitely. Um, I, <laughs> it's hard to really start when you, when you have so much going on in your head, because it seems like when I would get one health problem, it would lead to another and end up with 10 or 20 things going on at one time. But um, I guess I could start when I got married. Um, we expected our daughter very quickly after we got married. And um, I started having a lot of blood pressure issues. And so eight months after we were married, they took her a month early because my blood pressure was stroke level. And I started having really high blood pressure after that. Not long after that, I started suffering from sleep apnea really bad. I quit driving. I haven't driven probably 17 years maybe because I would fall asleep. Um, Just even getting in the car, I would fall asleep as soon as we would get in the car. So it just kind of scared me. Of course, you know, <laughs> so I, I quit, I quit driving. Um, it still bothers me to this day to even think about driving. My anxiety gets just through the roof working on that, but it is what it is right now. Um, when I was, we would have been married maybe five years. I had gained around 300 pounds already in five years. I went from about 140 when I got married up to 500 pounds. And I was afraid to take a shower if my husband wasn't nearby in case I would slip or fall or whatever. Um, Anytime we would have to go shopping, he would either have to drop me off at the door and I would have to find a motorized cart or he would have to go by himself because I couldn't walk from the parking lot to even to the door. And that's grocery stores, Walmart, anything. Doesn't matter how small or big, I couldn't hardly. I mean, I'm only five foot five, so 500 pounds is a lot on my little short legs. (laughs) But it got to where um, I didn't want to leave the house. We traveled um, extensively for the first 14 years of our marriage. We, my husband is the minister and we would go from state to state and we spent a lot of time in hotels and I didn't even want to leave the hotel. I was, I was afraid that I was embarrassing my husband. Um, I did my best to 
make sure that my hair was done and then I dressed as nice as I could for my size and I still felt like people were judging him through me and I didn't want him to get a bad name because of my shortcomings if you will um, it's kind of hard to look back in, on that now but I can't even imagine letting myself get to that point um, my mom had to raise my daughter and my nerves got so bad um, even now I'm struggling with anxiety issues but I have been able to get off the medication so that's a step in the right direction um, we hardly ever got to see her because we were gone so much and she would call us on the phone we would talk and she's been talking since she was born pretty much so we talked a lot and but it's, it's kind of hard especially being having so much trouble during my pregnancy I was afraid to try to have another one I was afraid maybe I would die and then my mom's either raising two babies or my husband has to raise one alone. And it was just, it was too scary. It was, it was very scary to think about. Um, I'd always wanted at least two kids, but uh, I was just too afraid. So I was dealing with all that. And on top of that, high blood pressure, just like super high. Ended up on blood pressure medication. What was your blood pressure? Um, when she was born, it was 210 over 115. And it just never, it went down, but not nearly enough to stay off of medication. Um, diet, exercise, as, as much as I could, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go down. So I, would get, I had to get on blood pressure medication. And that seemed to regulate it enough that I w didn't have to worry about having another stroke. Um, I ended up gaining weight just constantly. Just, it seemed like every single time I would go to the doctor, 15 more pounds. And she was like, I don't know what to tell you. She said, maybe it's your thyroid. Check the thyroid, no thyroid problems. But she put me on thyroid medicine anyway. Maybe because this, she said it was the only thing that she could think that why I would gain so much weight. So I ended up on that and we tried several different anxiety medications. They would work for a week or two. They didn't work anymore. She would add one to it and it would work for a week or two and then it didn't work anymore. So here I am taking all of these medications, not thinking if they're not working, stop taking them. <laughs> you know, I, I was always the type, you know, the doctor says do it. They know better than me. They went to school. You know, I'm going to do what they tell me to do. Yep. So here I am, sleep apnea, can't hardly function, 500 pounds. Um, I can hardly get in or out of the bed. It, it was a struggle. Um, I would fall asleep on the edge of the bed, fall on the floor. I have broken fingers because I would wake up in the middle of the fall and catch myself, which I should have just went ahead and fell instead of catching myself 500 pounds on just my little fingers. But oh my God. It was, it was just like a one thing after another and the doctor couldn't, she just finally got to the point where she would just shake her head when I would come in because she didn't know how to help me. And yes. of course I didn't know how to help me either. And um, I just ended up on just loads of meds, two or three, four of each different kind of medication. And then in 2011, I was diagnosed with diabetes. And that changed my life. I say yeah. to this day that diabetes saved my life because when the, doctor, when the doctor told me I had to quit eating sugar, I didn't fight it. I know oh, so many people that they will take that insulin, pop those pills and eat that sugar. Yes. I didn't do that. I didn't do it. Um, I gave it up. I gave up my Mississippi sweet tea, all the grits and pasta and potatoes that we eat every single meal, you know, you're from Texas, you know all that. <laughs> Texas sweet tea, yeah, we got all that, yeah. Fried everything, yeah. Oh, I definitely. Oh, my goodness. And thankfully, my husband did the same thing. He gave up his sweet tea, which about killed him, I think, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we all started eating better, and 
it wasn't long that I lost a hundred pounds, like 18 months of just no exercise. Cause I mean, it's really hard to exercise when you're that big. I mean, really interesting. Yeah, I get it. But still taking all these medications plus two or three more because of the diabetes. And I mean, I would dole up my medication and my husband was like, you don't even have to eat this morning. You get all that medication out to fill you up. No I mean, kidding. seriously, it was a handful. So I went low carb, started watching my carbs. The dietitian at the hospital told me I could have 45 grams of carbs per meal. That's three, three meals. That's 45 times three. What in the world were they thinking? I hear this constantly and it blows my mind because we know what the issue is, what diabetes is. Oh so why would you continue to add in the things that would cause the underlying issue to happen? It makes no sense. And it infuriates me because it puts people like you and my cousin who has been in and out of the hospital with complications due to diabetes. And he said the exact same thing you said. And he followed that because he believed that. Why wouldn't he? There, you know, the American American Diabetic Association and hospitals recommend and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's horrifying. And I'm going to stop you now with your journey um, uh, because I want to get to some uh, questions uh, sure. that relate to what you've talked about. Now, you mentioned that your health was so bad that you had to give up your child so your mother could raise her. That broke my heart. I mean, broke my heart because I can't even imagine how bad things must have been for you to do that because knowing you as a person, that was not easy. Can you kind of describe that a little bit and so people can fully understand how critical health is? Sure, absolutely. Um, I had a really, really hard pregnancy. I, I don't really even, we don't even know what everything went on. Um, when she was born, it's very possible that I had a stroke during the C-section because I totally blacked out. I don't remember anything. And a few hours later, when I remember waking up, I couldn't form words. Um, people that were in the room would ask me questions and I would try to answer and I wasn't forming words. Wow. It was just like a lot of blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I knew what I was trying to say, but it, it didn't sound right. So it, um, it affected uh, my speech when I get tired or nervous. Um, I forget what I'm saying, or I can't really form words even to this day. That was 20 years ago. Wow. It got to where I was just, everything made me cry. And of course that made her upset and she would cry. And my husband was trying to work a job and I was trying to, to take care of the baby and I just, I felt like she wasn't getting the best care mm -hmm. and I was afraid. Truthfully, I don't like to even talk about this part, but I will because I know surely somebody can relate. You hear a lot of times in the news that about people, their kids crying and they can't cope with it and they just kind of want to shake them to shut mm -hmm. them up. Yes. I would feel myself getting to that point. Thank God I never did it or even attempted, but I could feel myself getting there and it scared the crap out of me. Right. Sure. I mean, I have this teeny tiny little baby. She only weighed five pounds when she was born because she was so early. And I was just like, I, I can't even fathom this thought in my head. I couldn't even process what is going on. And when she was three months old, finally, I, I, I called my mom and I said, you've got to come get her for a little bit. I said, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, I'm afraid to get on any kind of medication because, you know, it's, it's, it's a big stigma on people that are having to take medicine, crazy medicine, you know? Oh, yeah. And so my mom came and got her and... I, I felt like she was going to be okay just for me to, for her to be away from me and to have a stable environment where 
I mean, my mom's nerves weren't the best, but they weren't nearly on edge like mine. And so I would try, we would, after a little while, we would go get her. After my nerves had just calmed down, it seemed to be doing a little bit better. And I would go get her and try to get her to stay with us, even like overnight. And a day or so later, I couldn't. We got her, um, we was going to take her with us to church one weekend in Louisiana. We had drove in a few hours anyway, but my nerves got so bad. I had to call my brother and his wife to drive from Mississippi to Louisiana to get her. Wow. Because, and it was just, it seemed like every time I would try, it would just, it, it would get worse. Mm. And so I asked my mom if she would keep her until maybe I got better or I was able to find a medication that would work. Just something where I knew that she would be safe. Right. right. And that did you feel happen. guilt? Did you, did oh, you feel a lot of guilt? I did. Yeah. Um, that never happened. I, I never was able to get on any medication that even made me halfway mm. stable. Wow. Um, my husband would go to town to get dinner or bring it back to the hotel and this, the burger would be made wrong and I would throw it across the room. Wow. My nerves just were so on edge that, I mean, everything just set me off. And it was, I would apologize. I think I've said I'm sorry more than I've said I love you pretty much. But I knew I was doing it, doing wrong, but it, it was just like an impulse. I just, it was, the, I don't know, it was the only way that I knew how to cope is to just yeah. get out some frustration and it embarrassed me. It embarrasses me now to talk and my husband and daughter are in the room, actually. <laughs> Can you tell me, what does your daughter feel like now? Does she understand what happened or does she blame you? Like, what is your relationship now? Well, when she was 18, was almost two years ago, she messaged me and wanted to come stay with me for a little while. And I was like, sure, come stay. Well, two years later, she's still here. Oh, yes. Um, um, we're, <laughs> it's more like a, a sister relationship or a, okay. you know, we're not the mother daughter. My mom is her mom. And right. Um, she's always known that we were her parents always. Mm -hmm. um, I always tried to make her understand even she's, she's always been very intelligent. She started reading when she was like three or four years old. She's always been a smart kid. And so as she got older, I would explain why we weren't there. And I mean, it definitely wasn't that we didn't want her. Yeah. I, I have cried more tears than I could even. I can imagine. <laughs> what about your uh, husband? What, what, how did he deal with that? Because essentially he had to give up his child too. So how did he, he deal with that? And did he blame you? Um, he never said that he blamed me, but I think kind of deep down that he kind of did, but he never, he knew that I didn't have an option and he knew that he couldn't do the main part of the raising. So I, I really haven't asked him because I'm kind of afraid to know, I guess. I don't, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, and I'll ask a, a, something later on about your husband but he seems like a very supportive person and you're so lucky you're so lucky okay well, let's go ahead and move on can you tell me out of every all the health issues that you had and i think you probably answered this but just to be sure what was the one thing that scared you more than anything when you found out that you had it or you were suffering from it whatever what was the number one thing uh, sleep apnea. It was really? extremely, extremely severe to the oh. point where um, I was working at the church one day <clears throat> and I was at my computer and fell asleep just like this. Wow. Um, no warning. <laughs> um, thankfully, I didn't fall asleep doing anything, you know, life or death kind of thing. Like driving. <laughs> but exactly. Exactly. And, um, it was, it was very scary because yeah. I didn't really know what to do. 
I fell asleep on the cart in Walmart. I passed like three or four rows and woke up and had, I was like, I needed that. Yeah. I had to turn around and do that. Fell asleep on the cart just like seconds. Wow. I mean, it might've been, I, oh, <laughs> the worst thing that's ever happened. I fell asleep on the front row at church. I thought, oh my and God. And you're the wife. Oh God. Yes, absolutely. It was like literally like maybe a second because as oh. soon as it happened, it, I woke back up because I could feel myself falling asleep. So I'm hopefully, you know, maybe they thought I was praying or something. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, wow. wow. Oh yeah. It was something. Oh, it was, wow. it was a ride for years. Um, falling asleep on the toilet, falling asleep on the edge of the bed, falling off the bed. Oh my goodness. We would get in the car. We would go to town. I would get a coffee. We'd go through Starbucks and I'd get the biggest coffee. I would drink it down and within seconds, not minutes, seconds, I would be laid over on the window out. Wow. I mean, wow. it was uh, literally could not control it. Wow. Went to church camp and the lady that I slept beside in the, in the, the tons of bunk beds in this huge, basically like a military barrack. The lady that slept beside me was a friend of mine for years, ever since I was a kid going to camp, and she was a nurse. And the next morning, she told me, I didn't sleep at all last night because you stopped breathing like oh, a million times. Oh, wow. And um, even staying at my parents, my dad was like, you are scaring me to death. Wow. It was, I mean, I never knew if I was going to wake up. Wow. See, I never really thought of sleep apnea as something that, that was so scary, but listening to you, wow, that, it is, that is scary. Really I thought you were going to say diabetes. Yeah, that I, I didn't really even think of it that way, but wow, that, that is so scary. Okay, so next question. Sure. This is a very hurtful thing. It was for me. When you were out in public, at say your largest size, mm -hmm. did you feel judged? Did you get looks or was it just in your mind you perceived people were judging you or did you actually experience that you know, with looks or comments or, you know, little things like that? Um, I know some of it was in my mind because I knew how I felt about myself and how I had maybe judged heavy people before I was heavy and but I did get the looks and I was smiling on the outside because I felt like maybe if I smiled and showed them that it didn't bother me that they would you know get over themselves or <laughs> whatever yeah but um you know you're sitting there eating it doesn't matter if you're eating a salad you can feel them judging you right um uh and half the time it probably is in our minds, you know, you think, oh, they're, if they'd have been eating that salad all along, they wouldn't be that big or yeah, all they do is sit there and eat candy bars. Um, I mean, sometimes it is in our mind because we know how we feel about ourselves. Most of the time we're not comfortable with ourselves. Yeah. Um, it sure. doesn't matter how long you're that size or how happy go lucky you are because I've, de I've, I've developed that over the years. Um, making making jokes about my size before other people could right you know. very common um, just absolutely I, it, it's definitely a coping mechanism that mm -hmm. a lot of heavy people develop because we're the fat funny people right and, 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 I, and I, I'd rather be that way than than to be depressed because when I first had to give up my daughter it was very hard and I went down this just really dark hole. I didn't want to leave the hotel. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to. And that's the big thing growing up. You didn't miss church unless you were running fever. I think I missed church. I had a fever 104 one time and chicken pox once. That was it. I never missed church for anything. I mean, that was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meeting, revival, anything. We didn't miss. And I got to the point where I just, I didn't want to leave I didn't want to leave the hotel because I knew people were going to be looking at me. Mm -hmm. People that maybe had known me before and seen how much weight I had gained or people that had never met me. And now they're just meeting this person that's a five X or a six X and probably the largest person they've ever seen in their life. 
Mm. And that that kind of does, does a number on a person's self-esteem. Whether oh, people yeah. act, actually make you feel that way, but you feel that way on your on your own. Oh, you, yeah. You make yourself feel that way. Absolutely. Yes. And like humiliating things like for, for me, I can remember uh, not being able to fit into a booth or if I did, my boobs were like all plopped upon the table because I was so squeezed in. That's humiliating. Absolutely really humiliating. Really now, thank um, goodness. Like on it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that luckily I never had to do the whole seatbelt extender thing, but I was dang close. And I remember just going, Oh God, Oh, please, please, please let me click this. Absolutely. I'd be miserable, but I could click it. And right. it's things like that, that people don't realize. And even like, uh, amusement park rides. Now mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of them to begin with, but I mean, there are things that you can't fit. Like if you can't get the bar down and click in place, how embarrassing to have to get back out. It's Absolutely. things like that that people don't realize. And, you know, like when you do feel judged and all, and, and people are like, oh, like you said, um, maybe they ought to, you know, quit eating a Snickers bar. Well, mm -hmm. if it was so easy, you know, do you think Absolutely. anybody chooses to feel that way, to <laughs> right. be humiliated, to feel judged? No, nobody wants that. Definitely but uh, unfortunately, you know, that's our society. And like you said, when I wasn't overweight, I did look at, you know, overweight people and I would think, you know, oh, do you really need to go back for seconds, you know, at mm -hmm. a buffet and stuff like that. So I get it, but it's, it's also so sad, you know, it's, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and ask this. And this is a very, uh, very emotional one for me. So, ah, okay. Uh, you felt like those around you would be better off without you. Why did you feel that way? Well, um, especially my husband, when we first got married, I was around 140 pounds. I had no health issues. Um, for my weight, I was small. I probably was like a size 10 maybe. And I was okay with that. And all of us, he married this young woman who had a decent figure. And then within just a few years, he had a wife who couldn't do anything for herself hardly. Um, he had to help me in and out of the shower. Um, literally anything that needed to be done. Thankfully, I could still go to the bathroom by myself, but I was really, really close to not being able to. And that was, I think if I were to reach that point, I probably would have just gave up. Um, I felt like a burden. Um, I couldn't do anything on my own. I felt really close to being an invalid. I wasn't bed bound, thankfully, because the only thing that kept me from being bed bound is we, we did travel. So we were constantly moving in and out of hotels or um, people's homes or wherever we were staying while we were preaching there. But I am uh, thankful that if we would have had a home, I probably would have stayed in the bed and never got out. I understand that feeling very well. And I understand how you feel like you're an embarrassment that your spouse or your kids look at you and go, oh God you know, that's my mom. It's not that they don't love you. It's not that, but you can't help but wonder, you know, are they thinking, oh, I wish my mom looked like this or could do this because they're healthy and active and can do things. And I know I missed out on a lot because number one, I chose to stay inside. I had health issues and I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. So a lot of things I opted to not do because I didn't want to be seen. I wanted desperately to be there and be a fly on the wall. I wanted to observe. I didn't want anybody else to observe me. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine you felt very much that way. 
and especially being in such a high profile with your husband doing what he does, that would be, you know, very difficult to not be seen. You kind of had no choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that, that was one that, 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 that really hurt me when you said that because I felt your pain and yeah. Okay. Let's do something that's happy now. <laughs> How did you discover keto carnivore? Okay. Um, I had lots of friends who were doing the ketogenic diet or keto as, you know, some of them would say, I had no intentions of ever trying. I had tried so many things. Oh my goodness. Every diet plan, every diet pill, every diet shake everything that people would these new gimmicks that everybody's just dropping hundreds of pounds on i tried it all so there's really no sense in me trying something else that's going to take all my money and not help me well for some unknown reason i just started researching it not vigorously but just trying to figure out what it is and what makes it different than everything else you know because everything's the same even though, you know, everything had their own way of working, but it all turned out the same. And I started learning a little bit more and I'm like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool, but you know, I'm not really going to try it. It's just, you know, it's just, nah, it's not for me. And I'm way too far fetched. (laughs) Oh, just way out there. And I, I mean, I was already cutting carbs. I'm not giving up all this. I'm not just giving up anything else. Now I had to give up sugar. I'm not giving up anything else. And so I did a little more research and just more research. And it was just, it just kind of like snowballed. I kept just learning more and more and more. And um, I had been doing low carb since I found out I was diabetic back in 2011. And I started having trouble with my knees. So I gained a lot of it back. And I was like, okay, I've lost a hundred pounds and I just gained back 80. So I'm like, I'm not trying this diet. I've tried everything. Nothing's working. I don't know what to do, but you know, I'm not going to try this. Well, I said, God, you got to show me what to do next. I said, I'm tired of taking all this pills and supplements that I have to pay hundreds of dollars for and they're not helping. So literally one year ago today, today is one year since I started keto. I woke up that morning. Thank you. It was one week after my 39th birthday and I woke up and said today I'm starting keto and I felt like that that was my answer from God because I wanted to do it I wanted to try and you can't make anybody try anything it doesn't matter how good it is it doesn't matter doesn't matter if it's free it doesn't matter if they don't have to do anything that you can't make them do it if they don't want to that's so I felt like that was that I felt like that was the answer so for five months I did strict keto. I did everything that that I was supposed to do. I did everything I I felt like I was told to do by all these experts. And I felt awesome. I got to throw away my cane. I didn't need it to walk anymore. Because this time last year, I could barely walk. With the cane, I could barely walk. I had went from three X's back up to five X's a year a year, year ago, I was back in all my fiber clothes. Um, and I said, I'm going to try keto. And, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work because, you know, I'm really not expecting it to work because nothing else has. <laughs> so, but, you know, I don't have to buy anything. I don't have to buy anybody's products. I just listen to these people telling me what foods to eat and how often I should eat or not eat. And I mean, you don't have to eat six or 12 times a day. Like some of these people are trying to get you to do, especially yes. as a diabetic, you've got to eat yeah. every three hours, you know? Oh my goodness. That was, that was just nuts. I'm just going to go ahead and tell whoever's watching. I don't care what your doctor tells you. That is just flat out nuts. Don't eat every three hours. If you are not hungry. Thank you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's so, it's just insane. So I said, I'm just going to try it. Let's try it. A month later, my sugar got so low, I just said, 
okay, I'm going to stop taking my diabetes medication. I didn't throw it away. I kept it because, you know, I'm trying to be sensible here because if I need it, it's right there. I haven't taken it since last August. Oh my goodness. I That's awesome. It. I haven't used the cane. Actually, my mom came to visit. She was having trouble with her knees and I gave her my cane. I don't need a cane anymore. I haven't used a cane in a year. I wear heels on my birthday. I wore heels. They're not quite four inches, but they're maybe three and a half, three and three quarter heels. I haven't wow. done that since I was in my early twenties. Wow. Actually, probably when I was pregnant with my daughter, I wore my highest heels. That was 20 years ago. Now I'm wearing heels. Awesome. Um, it is just amazing. For five months, I did keto strict keto and um, I felt great, but I noticed that I was having a little more inflammation in my knees and my shoulders because I have arthritis pretty much everywhere in my body from my neck down. And um, I was doing great. People were just amazed that I was just speeding around and doing things I needed to do. I didn't have to just stop and sit down for a little while. Um, I sit down when I want to, but I don't have to sit down. It's amazing. It's wonderful. So I decided after five months of keto, I'd lost 60 pounds in those five months. It was wonderful. That's was awesome. Wonderful. And I said, um, I'd, while researching keto, I had heard about carnivore. But, you know, that was just taking it way too far. <laughs> um, keto was, was crazy enough, but carnivore was just taking a little Way bit. on the other side of crazy. <laughs> I mean, you grow up with a garden. You are taught you eat your vegetables. Uh-huh. Eat those yep. vegetables. And so I decided at Christmas time, I decided that I would just go without vegetables on Christmas. I made... Um, a chicken, I baked a chicken and a ham, and I think I made mashed cauliflower um, for my family, and didn't eat vegetables, and then I noticed a, a week later, I still hadn't eaten any vegetables, and I didn't miss them, and that's weird. I love vegetables. Yeah, love. I did too. I get it. I mean, and that's my biggest thing that I get from people, that they tell me, I can't give up vegetables. I love vegetables. I love salad. Honey, I yep. did too. I thought there is no way that I'm going to be able to give this up and not miss it. Right. Um, I get it. But here I am seven months later, Saturday was seven months since I started carnivore and I don't miss it. Every once in a while I'll smell like fruit or something. And I'm like, well, that smells mm. good, but I don't want to go grab any of it. Right. I, I understand that completely. And um, I definitely don't miss the diabetes pills. I don't miss the high blood pressure pills or the thyroid pills or I was able to get off my anxiety medication. Yeah. All of the supplements that I had to take while doing keto. I can't tell you how many of those I took. I, did too. I mean, just, Oh my God, we spent so much money. It's ridiculous. And, um, to this day I take zero anything. Oh, I don't even I take that. Zyrtec. I don't even take Zyrtec. And I was the type of person I would wake up and my, I was sniffling and my eyes were watering and I was coughing and oh my goodness. I was even adding Flonase spray to the Zyrtec to just be able to function. I always had tears oh. running down my face, looking like I was crying. Oh man, it was something. And I just got to, you just can't live any freer than we're living. Okay. Yes. I'm Yes. Um, I have people ask me all the time, isn't it so expensive? You're just buying meat. I can't afford to eat meat every day. Let me tell you something. I'm not wasting money on all of these medications. I don't waste money on vegetables that's going to sit in the vegetable drawer. And, and oh, yeah. Um, I think this used to be celery. Let me throw it out. <laughs> I mean, I don't, ha I don't even need a pantry at my house except for dog food and maybe paper towels. I don't yep. need a pantry because... All of my food is in the refrigerator. It is just wonderful. You go in the grocery store, you're in there five minutes, picking out 10 minutes maybe. If, you, if they have a big selection, you're trying to figure out, oh, that sounds good. That meat sounds good. And, and then you go home. You don't spend hours and hours trying to figure out what you're going to cook. Yes. It is, just, it is the best thing. It's so ever. freeing. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. wonderful. Now, let me ask you this. Is there anything worth losing that freedom over? 
as far as food goes? Is there anything that the taste is so worth it that it's, you're willing to give up that freedom of food? You know, you would think that there would be, especially things that you grew up eating, things mm -hmm. that maybe trigger uh, a memory or, because you know, when you smell something, you, you know what it tastes like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what restaurant we ran last week. But somebody got something and the smell was just like, oh, man. <laughs> and I was like, but you know, that one bite, I would not forgive myself. It's been a year since I gave up grains and all of that pasta, potatoes. Mm -hmm. Now, potatoes, I could eat potatoes four different ways at every single meal. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love potatoes, too. <laughs> if I didn't have another piece of meat, I could t eat potatoes 12 times a day. But I wouldn't forgive myself. And, and the best thing is knowing that I don't have to suffer for what I ate yeah. the next day. I don't have to wake up tomorrow going, oh my God, I shouldn't have eaten that. I can't hardly move. <laughs> my joints hurt. My hands hurt. My hands would get so bad. That's arthritis. <clears throat> if it was even cloudy outside, my hands would hurt so bad that I would wake my husband up crying, asking him to rub my hands. Hmm. he's got ginormous hands and I would say just just rub till your hands get tired and it was just horrible and right now my hands wow. are cold because the air conditioner in the hotel room and they don't hurt and wow. that to me is a miracle one other thing that's a miracle I have not been sick in seven months nice I'm the type of person when I walk in a room if somebody has the sniffles I'm sick the next three or four days my husband can get sick, definitely sick for three days. He's over it, but he always give, give it to me. And then, I, <laughs> then I have it for like two weeks or even end up in the hospital with it, turn it into some kind of bronchitis or something. I have not had the sniffles with the exception, a little bit of allergies, no sickness since I started carnivore. That is crazy. That, mm -hmm. And I hear this often, you know, cause I do these success stories for Meet RX sure. and I hear this over and over again. So there's got to be something to it. It can't just be this, oh, you know, <laughs> you're just exaggerating or whatever. There has to be something to it. it I've experienced does. similar things too. So there has to be something to it. So, okay, let me see. Let me see what we're doing on time here. Okay, all right. Okay. Do you think you will be able to sustain this way of eating? You know, when I first started, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 days, kind of like a 30 day trial run, maybe a 30 day challenge. And um, we'll see how it goes because I'm probably not going to be able to give up green beans or, which I really didn't do green beans too much on keto. That wasn't um, one that was recommended by all the, you know, keto gurus that I've been following. Um, so we'll see. And, yeah. um, I was seven months ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I well, you, I get it because <laughs> I yeah, like I just did it for an experiment so I could talk about it since I advocate for, you know, low, low carb uh, eating. And right. so it was kind of almost a dare and kind of a experiment and, uh, you know, six, 17 months coming up later, I'm still doing it. And I don't really see uh, me in, in the, any time in the near future, adding in something that hurt me, you know, like fi fiber for me personally hurt me. And so I don't know what I would add in. So I'm, I'll never say never. And if my body needs it and I'm told that that's something you know, that'll sure. help my hormones or whatever. Of course, I'll, I'll, I'll do that and try it. But for the moment, I'm just not feeling a need. And so I don't foresee it anytime real soon, but you know, I'll never say never. I mean, right. who knows, but you know, you're benefiting so much. And the other thing is just because you're quote carnivore does not mean that you can't eventually add something back in that you really enjoy or you think would benefit you in some way. Right. And if your gut is healed and you know, you've resolved your like, you know, insulin resistance and stuff like that, some of that has been taken care of. There's no reason you can't 
see what happens if you introduce a specific food. And, and I think there's just so much dogma out there where it's like, oh my gosh, you can never, ever, ever, ever eat a plant. And if you are not exactly meat, water, and salt, you're not a oh carnivore. And, and you, you know you're doing it wrong. I, I, I don't have like so that. so many groups on Facebook. Because yeah, I don't like that. I don't oh, like, if that works, that's great. I have nothing wrong with that. But right. for me, I want my spices. I'm not going to apologize for it. I want spices. I don't want just salt. Maybe one day I will. You never know. It just right. kind of depends on, but you know, to tell me that I'm doing it wrong if I have spices. Mm, yeah, no, not going to work yeah. for me. And I don't appreciate when somebody else is told that. And I know a lot of people in our community, well, I say a lot, but uh, some of the ones I follow that I'm friends with who have kind of needed to add back in a few things in mm -hmm. the plant world. Um, yeah. And they have been pretty well attacked. And I'm like, what the heck? So right. you know what, if you feel that that's something you need and you've healed to a point where it's not going to bother you, then I, I, I don't see a problem with that. So right. I'd be really curious to hear. So you got to keep me updated on that for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, we've kind of touched on this before, but I'm just going to ask it again. Have you had any negative or ugly comments directed at you? Uh, for, regarding for, carnivore? Uh, anything, just any weight, uh, in anything like that, you know, kind of goes along with the whole judging thing. But Are like, you, have you heard something, you know, behind you or, you know what I mean, to where oh, yeah. maybe they didn't even mean it to be actually ugly to your face, but it was said behind your back, but you caught it. Right. Um, right at a year ago, um, well, like I said, my birthday was just last week. So a year ago for my birthday, we went out to eat and we were actually at a sit sitting at it about to be sat at a table, not a booth, thankfully. <laughs> um, I mean, they look at this, you know, person who can barely walk because probably mostly their size has caused osteoarthritis and all this. And they want to put you in a booth and you're like, people, really, um, are you really wanting to embarrass me? Are you not thinking or, or what, or is it a combination of everything, you know, but they had all these tables really, really close together. I mean, like even people, skinny people would have had to squeeze in and out. And I'm like, okay, this is not going to work. And she was like, well, we don't have any larger areas. And I said, okay, bye. And I turned around and walked out. And my husband was like, okay, here he comes. Follow me out of the restaurant. Um, that thankfully that didn't happen a lot, but when it does happen, it makes you feel like you never want to go through that again. Yeah. And you would rather just, you know, maybe somebody go pick up something and bring it back to you. Right. You don't want to go out in public. Right. Oh, I get it. I get and, it. And, and that gets to a point where if you, you stay out of the public long enough, it really can put you in a downward spiral spiral. And I've seen people get in that hole of depression and it takes years and even loads of medication to get them out of that hole. And, um, I refuse to let myself get back in that place. Yeah. Um, good for you. I am not going to eat anything that's going to make me gain weight with the exception of, I know that on carnivore you can gain while your body is healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is not a permanent weight gain when you're healing. Your body has done, been through a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you've been dieting since you were a teenager, um, mm -hmm. I just turned 40. I, that's a long, lot of dieting. A I lot. get you. I get and, you. Um, I, had to, I learned and I listened to everything. I read everything that I could get a hold of when I first started carnivore. Um, because I wanted to know, okay, if I gain weight, is this, is this permanent? Um, do I have to do this forever? Is this going to, am I going to gain all my weight back just to be off of medication? Is this going to be what, what my life's going to be like? And I read thousands, not just hundreds. I read thousands of testimonials of people who did gain even in the first six months or even the first mm -hmm. year, but they yeah. stuck with it. And I am right at seven months. There is no way that I'm going to give up the last seven months of giving up things that I would have, would have enjoyed um, mm -hmm. 
you know, my taste buds would have enjoyed it. My body's yeah. not so much, yeah. but, um, I wouldn't have had to put up with maybe weird looks or strange, you know, people saying weird things in restaurants because I only eat meat. And, um, but I'm not, I'm not giving up health for, I gained 20 pounds when I first started carnivore. Oh, wow. Actually, I lost 20 in the first, uh, seven weeks. I lost 20 pounds. Oh, I did. And, um, but then I have gained it back since February. I've gained it back the 20 pounds. But I have gotten to the point where I feel so good, even at weighing 320 pounds. I still weigh 320 pounds. Um, I am bigger than most people when they start. Not not um, after losing 200 pounds. When they start keto or they start carnivore, most people aren't even nearly the size that I am now. But I am happy with my health. Like I said, I'm off 10 to 12 prescription pills plus 15 or 20 supplements i mean that's like huge. a handful of each that is a big big deal yes it's huge. and i'm able to cope with my size i know that as my body heals on the inside i've seen people on all these weird diets they're thin on the outside but their inside is so sick their yes. hair starts falling out their skin yes. starts losing color i mean it's i don't i don't i won't trade health for weight loss i won't do it I don't care if I stay 320 pounds for the rest of my natural born days. As long as I am not black on medication, it is not worth it. So you're saying health is more important than aesthetics. 100%. That's the message I am trying to get out. I get that we all want to be teeny tiny and look all cute in our clothes. Of course. Or our guys, you know, want to look like this, but that's very hard to achieve and maintain if your body is not healthy on the inside anyway. So you should always, always prior prioritize health. So I think that's really important. Okay. So throughout the journey of, of getting better and, um, you know, getting rid of the medication and all this kind of stuff, what is one thing that actually surprised you about, you know, going keto carnivore, whatever, what was the thing that just kind of made you go, wow. Um, when I would wake up and put my feet on the floor and not cry when I had to stand up, hmm. that was a big deal. That's huge. Um, when you try to take a step and you literally want to cry and, and go sit back down, which isn't helping you because you're sitting down right? <laughs> and you have to be able to function. You have to be able to, you know, take care of your house or your kids or your right. husband or, you know, whatever it is just to be able to go do laundry and you know, my feet are so swollen or my knees are so swollen. Um, it, it's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Um, I was 20 pounds smaller back in January. Well, 20 pounds lighter, but my body is smaller now. Awesome. I look at pictures, my arms are smaller. Um, even my stomach, which I have, I've had severe insulin resistance for years, which, most people that if they haven't had it, they don't know that causes right. this big giant pregnant belly look. Mm-hmm. I still have that, but it's nowhere near the size. And right. um, I was looking at pictures side by side and I'm like, I know what I weighed then because I took a picture of a scale. Every time I got on a scale, I took a picture of it. And so my phone documents the time and date that I took that picture mm-hmm. and I can put this picture side by side. And this one, I was 301 and this one I'm 320 or 323 and my arms are smaller. My waist is smaller. I have heels on where there was no way I could wear heels before. I mean, there is something to this hashtag meat heels that everybody shares. Right. There is something to it. And I have to people telling me all the time, it's unhealthy to eat meat uh-huh. all the time. And so I start spouting off information. Okay, every piece of meat that I eat is full of vitamins. Every piece True. of meat. It doesn't matter if I'm eating pork, chicken, I mean bacon, literally every piece of meat that I put in my mouth has vitamins. Can you say that for everything that you eat? That's no. bioavailable too. You, know, you got to take that into consideration, even if they are eating good stuff. Or even supplements. My body can pr- process like 80, 90% of the vitamins that I put into it over all of these healthy vegetables and, and yes. things that they're 
eating. And they just kind of look at me like, oh, you're not just following the herd. You actually have been studying what you're doing. I don't follow anything blindly. Yeah, I don't follow. When I, started, when, I, when I started low carb back in 2011, I learned about it. I learned about diabetes. I learned about insulin resistance. Um, when I started keto, I did a ton of research probably for six months to a year before I ever, even thought about trying it. And so doing this, I'm going to do the exact same thing. And since day one, when I started losing a lot of weight with keto, I've had people contact me every single day. I've been on the internet for hours up into the middle of the night, explaining to people just everything that I learned. I don't know everything. I still don't know everything just a year later, but every time I would learn something, I would just convey that to people. And I have probably thousands um, definitely not tens of thousands yet, of course, but definitely up in the thousands that I've helped so many people. I love and that. it makes me feel really good to be able to help them, even though most of them aren't even my size now, but they're unhealthy. They're on loads of medication. They just found out they're a diabetic and they don't know what to do about it. And they're totally freaked out because now they're taking insulin and they don't know what to do. You know, they Knowledge thought they were, power. They, thought they were power. eating healthy. They've yeah. been doing everything they were told to do, but their sugar's not coming down. Right. I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm not a diabetic anymore. What? Not a diabetic anymore. Um, when I eat something, I don't have to worry about my sugar crashing or going up or just totally go freaking out. I don't have to worry about what I eat is going to harm my body. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful not to get yeah. those sugar spikes. That is the worst feeling in the world. It's the worst yeah. feeling. It is. And I the would never cravings and the, you know, energy crashes. It's just terrible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so absolutely. you enjoy helping others because you've had such great success. And when you felt so hopeless and like you, you were ready to give up. And then all of a sudden this kind of what I consider to be like this miracle thing that happened. Absolutely. And so you feel this desire desire to share. And so I know that you were in the process of getting a certified as a meat RX carnivore coach. Tell me how that's going and okay, where you stand. I, I got to where I was reading comments and, and like we've already talked about people attacking other people for not doing, you know, beef, salt, and water. Um, I know people that add in, have added in carrots and they feel optimal with those carrots. That's all of what health is about. It's not about one sp certain specific diet. It is about what is optimal for your body and how your body runs exactly right. <laughs> There's some people that can't eat certain types of meat. I love chicken wings. Go to, I go to Lone Star, those chicken wings, I could eat them literally all day. But the next day, I don't feel so great. So... I will stick to beef. Sometimes I do eat chicken, thighs, legs, whatever. But if I don't feel good the next day, I know it's something that I ate. And I know not to eat it or eat it sparingly or with something else. And so I found out about Meat RX and I said, you know, I help people every day anyway. I mean, just I have people contact me just back to back, sometimes two or three at one time, I have to pay attention to who I'm texting because if there's so many people on my Facebook messages, loads of them at one time. I love and, it. Um, it's just, it's wonderful to be able to, to tell people that there is, there is hope for, doesn't matter what kind of health condition that you have. I have read so many things that um, Dr. Baker has shared, people that had cancer or just, all kind of severe eye problems, kidney problems, that they have healed all of those things. They're not on medication. They're not on chemo. They're not lifeless in a hospital somewhere just watching their life go by. I mean, they have totally reversed everything. And I know personally, high blood pressure for years, diabetes for eight years. It is just wonderful to be able to get up and go anytime I want to. I don't have to I don't need help getting dressed. I don't need help getting in the store. I can park wherever I need to park in the parking lot and get to the store, get my shopping done and not have to worry about sitting down. That is a miracle. I chalked it up to a miracle because there's no other explanation. 
There really is no explanation. I, I get it. I understand. And, and what I found, uh, Meet RX, it was just like, I was reading uh, people's testimonies, watching the videos. I said, this is what I feel I am called to do. There are people, I wish to God I would have found this 10 years ago. I do. 40 I do. years ago. Absolutely. Um, I wish I would have known that there was somebody that had been through what I've been through and come out the other side, a normal person and then not this crazy person. Because that's where I thought I was headed. I really did. I mean, they could have just, I felt like they could have put me in a padded room, just, you know, made sure I had some water and something and just leave me there because that's where I was headed. I hear and you. when I read these things from, from people who are helping other people change their lives and showing them, letting people know that it's okay to reach out for help, reach out for help. Don't just sit in that hole because that's what it feels like when you don't know that there's somebody that can, you know, cause surely there's nobody that's ever been as bad off as I am. Right. And that's what makes people not reach out. And I'm try to, I try to be so transparent on all of my social media. Um, I try to be very transparent so that um, it is a little embarrassing sometimes for me to put things that, you know, doesn't paint me in a good light or what I'm going through, but it shows people that you, you, everything's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Right. And since you feel, you know, you aren't perfect, you can still reach out for help and there's no judging because we've all been there. Yes. We've all been to a place where we have tried every diet. We've tried every meal plan. We've tried going without food. That doesn't work. Yeah. But there is somebody somewhere that's been through almost, almost exactly, if not exactly, what you've been through. I went and watched, um, I think it was with uh, Michelle Hearn. I watched your videos. And I was like, no wonder she was able to identify with what I've been through. I watched, you know, listen to your story. And I, th I think it's very extremely important for people to tell their stories. Oh, I do too. Even on the journey, I'm on the journey. I'm nowhere near the end of my journey. I'm not giving up. I'm definitely not giving up. And I've seen too much in just seven months of this way of eating. It's just seven months plus the five months of keto. I've seen too much to give up. It's not worth giving up. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. It, it just really isn't. And there is somebody somewhere that has been through what you've been through. All you have to do is just come find somebody on Meet RX. I'm telling you, I am so excited. I promised myself that since I had to, to do this interview today, that I would finish my Meet RX this week. I got to where yes. I was, I was so <laughs> afraid that, you know, people are going to look at me and say, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm not even going to listen to what she says. And there are some people that, that have felt that way. Okay. But, why, why, why did you feel that way? What well, do you mean by that? Okay. When you, when you look at a thin person, you think, okay, they were big. Now they're thin. They know what they're talking about. But they look at this woman who is 320 pounds. I still wear 3X clothes. Um, surely I can't know what I'm talking about. But they don't know that I've lost almost 200 pounds. Right. right. I mean, I know skinny people who haven't lost 200 pounds. Yeah. So if you're talking to a person who still has 150, 180, whatever pounds to lose, but they've already lost 200 pounds, they know where they're headed, but they're not going back where they came from. And thank you. If you thank you. And if you want help, I am here to help. I'm telling you, I help people everywhere. And I, I, I feel like I can't do enough because I'm just, there's only one of me. And I am constantly, constantly helping people. And, and, I, and I felt like I'm doing it for free. I might as well sign up and, and be a MeetRx coach and be able, where people would know where to find me. Right. And help. So I promised myself, and I try not to break a promise even to myself. I, if I'm not going to do it, I try not to promise. You know, I feel like the, the Bible says not to make a vow and break it. If you're, you're going to make a vow, you need to keep your vow. And that's what I feel like I've done this week. I promised myself that I would finish it, um, you know, get over my insecurities and mm -hmm. actually get this finished and be able to help even more people than I help now.
I absolutely love that. And now that I know, <laughs> I'm going to be bugging you too. Yes, so you you're not getting off. You are not getting off this time. That's awesome. And I can totally understand that. I have talked to quite a few people, prominent people in the community. And because they don't fit an ideal uh, body image, mm -hmm. that uh, they get a lot of flag from that. And I'm like, you have no clue where these people have come from to right. say that they don't know what they're talking about because they don't look at that picture perfect person. And I think that's extremely sad. So yeah, you do you and you get that certification and you help people because they will come to you when they hear your story and they know where you're coming from. Don't let anybody make you feel that way ever, ever. Okay, let me get one more question. We are out of time. Um, okay you've kind of uh, done this along the way, but if you sum this up, what bit of advice would you give someone who feels hopeless, helpless, scared, and are dealing with a lot of health issues? What would you tell that person? Okay, I would tell them that I've felt all of those things at one time. There is not, it, it was not a feeling of one of those things at a time over the years. It was all of that at one time. I know exactly what all of that feels in one whole feeling. And I will tell them that there is hope. I am living witness. I have, of course, I mean, you can listen to me or you could say, I've heard this on TV infomercials for this product and that product. I am a living witness and, and I could just ball just thinking about telling people you can be different. You can get healthy. Do not focus on just your weight. Get your health in line. Get your health back. Take a hold of your health because as Judy Cho says, you have one body. It's the only place you have to live. Take care of your body. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I told this girl, literally, I just told somebody yesterday the exact same thing. Actually, I think I've quoted Judy show twice this week. You only have one body to live in. You got to take care of it. Because, I mean, you, you can live. I know diabetics that have lived without a foot or lived without fingers. You don't have to live that way. Amen. That is a and truth. You can't Thank without, you. And you yes. can't live without a body. You got to take care of it. <laughs> yeah. At least for now, you know, maybe Absolutely. sometime in the future. Yeah, no, never know. And don't freak out. Right. If you gain, if you gain five, 10, 20, I don't care if you gain 50 pounds, don't, don't give up because I'd rather be the same size that I am now and be healthy and be around. My daughter is getting married this year. Um, I can have grandkids next year or so, or next couple of years, whatever. I want to be here. Yes. When my daughter was little, I didn't have a lap. When I would go visit my mom, she didn't have a lap to sit on oh. because my stomach was in my lap. You couldn't even tell I had knees. My stomach was so big. And now I can look down and I can see my legs. Yay. <laughs> that's wonderful. And I'm not giving that up. And I suggest to anybody that's watching, please, if you feel like you need help, contact me directs. There is people. Amber can help you. There is loads of people that have been through what you've been through. They might look all skinny and healthy now, but they weren't always that way. They've reached out for help. That's everybody right. needs to reach out for help. And I don't care if you're skinny, if you're unhealthy, you need help. We will help. <laughs> yes. Perfectly, perfectly summed up. Thank you so much, Trudy, for being on. You're in an inspiration and I love you. I think your story is just so, will resonate with so many people. So y'all be sure to go check out Meet RX and Trudy's success story. It is amazing. And she goes through the whole entire thing and it, Seriously, it is touching, absolutely touching. And be sure to follow her and don't forget to subscribe because we have some great shows coming up. And thank y'all so much for watching. Thank you, Jude, Trudy, <laughs> and you have a wonderful day. You too.